the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a good, although really, really cold Monday afternoon. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, questions about church. Maybe you heard something in church yesterday that you didn't understand. Whatever's on your heart, you just provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, especially when the streets are wet like today, the safest way to call if you're in your car is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a great day in church. We were absolutely packed. Uh, all of our services yesterday, we had a really, really good day. Lots and lots of new people. And, uh, you know, that's always a good thing. People got saved. It was a, a, a really, really good day. Uh, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we're going to be having our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies. You can bring your whole family. Um, we also have child care for the younger ones, so you can bring your whole family starting at 7 o'clock. Ladies, you can watch at calvarysa.com. Uh, Pastor Matt's wife, Lauren Blanton, is going to be teaching tonight. And uh, it's always better to be here uh, in person. The heat will be on, so you don't have to worry about being too cold. But that starts at 7 o'clock. Let me get to some questions that have been sent in while we await your phone calls. And remember, we are always anxious to get your phone calls. Here is a question from uh, name optional. It's not not included, so I don't know who it is. Um, Hi, Pastor Ron. Do you know anything about the commercials about Jesus that are being on on TV? It's called He Gets Us. Is this a lit? Legit group. Thank you so much, sir. Blessings to you. Thank you for the blessings and right back at you. Um, you know, I wondered exactly the same thing. Um, you know, the, the I love the commercials, but, you know, you're always worried about the motive. Now, there's really not a lot that we can learn about this. Uh, the, the, the campaign, uh, it's funded by the signatory or the signatory, not Tory, the signatory as a Christian foundation based in Kansas. And, uh, guys, they're spending $100 million on this campaign. And uh, everything I've heard so far is okay. Um, uh, they are, uh, as, as best I can tell, the, the, the organization uh, is reformed in theology. Um, so so they're, they're certainly believers. Um, you know, you never know what their motive is. Uh, one of the headlines says he gets us campaign is aims to fix Jesus's brand. It's almost as though the church has ruined it. And I think what this might be now, this is just me opining here, but I think what this might be 
is a campaign to distance Christians from the Donald Trump um, um, campaign. You know, uh, so many Christians have have uh, sort of found themselves in the wrong kingdom and putting all their hopes in in the Republican Party or Donald Trump and his campaign. Uh, and and I think I think this appears to be a campaign um, designed to get people to focus on who Jesus was and what he did. So uh, even if the motive is bad, I think of Paul's words uh, to the church in Philippi when he was in prison and uh, people were making trouble for him. You know, supposing they could cause trouble, uh, they were sort of bad mouthing him, probably in the vein of, well, you know, if he was really doing God's work, he wouldn't be in jail. God would bless his ministry. Those kind of things. And Paul said, you know what? What do I care? Uh, some preach Christ out of envy. Uh, others preach Christ out of goodwill. But what do I care as long as Christ is being preached? And I think that that's the approach that we ought to take. There's nothing I've seen in these campaigns that is, is uh, uh, false. Um, I, I, I hesitate to presume um, an impure motive. But um, really, it doesn't matter. I think we should be glad that somebody's spending $100 million to get Jesus' name out there. And as long as they don't go into doctrine and then and that doctrine is false, uh, man, I just think this is wonderful. I think this is, is really good. And I think probably we ought to be grateful that that's what's going on. So uh, it's a group called the Signatory, um, not affiliated with any particular church or denomination, um, their statement of faith is uh, we want people to understand the authentic Jesus as he's depicted in the Bible, um, the Jesus of radical forgiveness, compassion, and love. Um, I, I think it's pretty good. So um, I hope that help, helps. Good question. Everybody's wondering. It, it just means that the ad campaign is really, really uh, effective. Very good. Here's a question. This one is from June. Um, good day, Pastor Ron. Companies appear to be purposely, purposefully hiring an increasing number of homosexuals. At my job, they frequently change out the managers as they move stores or advance into new positions, and the majority of the people above me have recently become homosexual males. I'm a woman, and I'm struggling to respect their authority, because I don't see them as masculine men. I don't dislike gay people. And apart from the sinful lifestyle, they're generally pretty cool. But for some reason, this bugs me. Are these feelings legitimate? Or is this a hard issue? Let me say two things, June. And I think this is important that you understand my heart here. Um, feelings are real. Um, you ask if they're legitimate. All feelings are legitimate. They're real. But what we as Christians have to do is decide how we're going to respond to those feelings. And I think that requires us to identify whether those feelings are legitimate or illegitimate. And by that, I mean, are they the feelings that are consistent with, with representing Jesus rightly or are they inconsistent? And so here's what I think you have to do as a Christian. Remember, you're doing this for Jesus and the people that you're having a difficult time uh, submitting to their authority, respecting their authority. Remember, they are not the enemies of your ministry. They are the object of your ministry. And so your job, if they are over you, is to serve them with all of your heart, to do so in a way that they know that you respect them, to do your job better than anybody else can do it. So the idea is when they need good help, they want to look for people just like you. And to do that, you've got to recognize their authority. So you respect the job and the position and your responsibility to represent Jesus. Now, um, respect is something, again, for work that's different than respecting their lifestyle. And hopefully the, the result will be that they will um, uh, come to depend on you so much that maybe, just maybe, one of these people... Uh, who we know are are unhappy inside, depending no matter what kind of front they put on, uh, maybe one of them will come to you and say, you know, there's something about you that's different. And you can have the opportunity to tell them it's Jesus. And, and you know what? I don't agree with your lifestyle. I think it is sinful 
But I want you to know Jesus loves you, and that's why I'm doing my very best to serve you. Let me address the 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 um, um, question about uh, companies purposefully hiring uh, increasing number of homosexuals. I've noticed that June in the restaurant industry when I go to uh, out to eat in places, uh, I'll see uh, huge numbers of of gay men and or women. Uh, who are serving, and uh, we always try to give them a, an extra dose of nice. Uh, we want them to understand that that there is a Jesus that we're representing who loves them, and when we know their life falls apart, when their hopes are dashed, when when things come falling down around them, um, they'll know that hey, there were people that were decent to me, there were people that were nice to me, and maybe if we can get a little bit of leverage in their lives. Uh, some of us might have the opportunity, and you might have that opportunity at work, um, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. I, I believe that with all of my heart. So don't let your personal feelings keep you from being obedient to Jesus and respecting your bosses and doing the best that you can. As for these companies that are purposefully hiring them, uh, I think it's, it's a, in the corporate world, it's a pretty cool thing to do now. And you're going to see many more trans people as well. And, um, um, you know, that's just, that's the new cool thing. We live in a world now that calls evil good and good evil. And those of us who stand for right or wrong, those who stand with Jesus, are going to be the ones who are taking the brunt of the reaction from the world that we live in. So, June, do your best. Um, to deal with your heart and understand that Jesus loves that person so much that he's used you. He needs you. There's no better place for light to be than in the darkest of places. So I hope that makes sense to you, June. Thank you very, very much. Um, let me see. I had another question I thought here. Not yet. Okay, here's a question from January. January, this is your month, isn't it? Only for one more day. Yeah. Uh, January says, who is really in charge of this world, the devil or God? Uh, God is always in charge. God is always, always, always in charge, January. Um, but um, the Bible, the Apostle Paul says that Satan is the little g God of this world. Or the ruler of this world. He's also called the, the prince of the air. And it means that God has given him a pretty big leash to wreak havoc and do evil. It is the devil who is, is uh, lying to the world that we live in. And supernaturally, God has allowed this lying spirit to flourish. And people are believing the lies. And so we might look from our perspective and say, well, the world is out of control. God's really not in control. The devil is. But, but remember, God has an appointment to keep. And Jesus is going to come back for his church. And then we're going to come back with him. And he's going to rule and reign. And he will put an end to all evil. Make no mistake, God is always in charge January. But, but, while the devil appears to be the one in control at times. We've got to remember that it's God working behind the scenes to ensure that his will is going to be done. And as a believer, January, remember Romans 8, 28, that says, and we know. We don't think, we don't guess, we don't cross our fingers and hope. And we know that God works all things together, even the evil things, the rebellious, the rebellious things. God works all things together for the good of those like you, January, who love Jesus and who are called according to his purpose. So God is in charge. Nothing happens that escapes um, God's responsibility. And one day soon, he's going to come and set things right. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Rob. He wants to know, will we have free will in heaven? Uh, we will have free will in heaven. Um, but I hope this doesn't sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but we won't be able to rebel against God. That's the neat thing. In heaven, we will exercise our free will to do what God wants us to do. 
That's the only desire of our heart. Our sin natures will be gone. Um, uh, the, the original sin dealt with. All of our sins, of course, robbed, forgiven, forgotten, thrown in the deepest, darkest ocean as far from us as east is from west. And, and we will be like Jesus. That's what we're told in the Bible, that, that we don't yet know what we will be, but we will be like him. And that means in a glorified, physical, resurrected bodies, but transformed so much so that, that the sin nature is gone. And the only thing we will want to do is what God wants for us. So there will be no rebellion but it's not like, okay, you've got to do it and we're in, in sort of lockstep and doing whatever Jesus tells us to do. We will have the freedom to do whatever we want to do. But all we're going to want to do is be with the Lord. All we're going to want to do is do exactly what it is that he's asked us to do. So good question. Thank you very, very much. I look forward to that day. I'm like the Apostle Paul. What I want to do, I can't do what I do. Uh, don't want to do. I find myself doing wretched man that I am. And Jesus says, don't worry, I'm the deliverer. Let's go to Alan on line one from San Antonio. Alan, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. How are you? How have you been? Alan, I, I've been well, Alan. How about you? Oh, fine. Just trying to stay warm today and uh, <laughs> trying to invent different ways. I mean, maybe get a portable candle or something like that. <laughs> I've got a space heater pointed at my office chair, oh, Alan, so I get you. Oh, wow. wow, well, maybe you could send a picture of it to me. It might help. <laughs> <laughs> Look at uh, I had a question. I, uh, it's, it's about the gospel uh, where Jesus says uh, there's no foods that enter uh, when beings that make them unclean, and it comes out of a man that makes them unclean, and Mm -hmm. Would that apply to people who have, you know, there are people who have, uh, who can't eat a lot of, there are people who, one guy ate chocolate, I remember, and he, he passed away from, from that. Uh, and so there are foods that people eat today that they, makes them really sick and they can, um, so I, I was just wanted to ask about that because, yeah, there are so many foods today that people cannot eat and it makes them really sick and. Maybe they were talking about the spiritual and not the physical. So yeah, the, the the point that was being made, Alan. And by the way, I'm still praying for you. So thank you for calling in and letting us know how you're doing. But but I'm praying for you pretty regularly, my friend, and and um, praying that the Lord will touch and heal you and give you some relief. Um, Alan, what what God is doing, speaking there, is is the the result of. Uh, isn't food that, that we take in. You know, um, the Jews were big on clean and unclean foods. And Jesus basically said, it's not the food. Don't be silly. It's not the food. It's what's in you that comes out of you that makes a man unclean. Now, we live in a fallen world. And so, yes, there are things that we can't eat. Paula is gluten-free. And everywhere we go, she's got to remind the waiters or the waitresses that, that I'm gluten-free uh, gluten-free menu uh, because she just she can't handle um, gluten. I have some allergies to uh, some preserves. MSG makes me so sick that I can't even function. And so I've got to be really careful about that. But there's nothing about the MSG that, that God's referring to. What he's saying is it's our behavior. It's, it's our response. Even the words that we use. Even the words that we use that, that, that make us unclean and that sin living in us. So the, the point is spiritual, and he's just using a physical example to indicate that uh, um, the, the Jews, um, with their obsession with clean and unclean food, is, um, is to miss the point altogether. I, I think about Peter when uh, the Lord in his dream told him, uh, rise, kill, and eat, and he saw all kinds of unclean animals, and, and uh, he said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean, and I can just imagine Jesus saying, ah, I'm not talking about the food. I'm, I'm saying don't call anything that I've made clean unclean, and of course, the bigger point was that Peter was going to be used by the Lord to bring Gentiles into the kingdom of heaven. Good question, Alan, and we're praying for you, my dear friend. 
We have um, somebody on the line. Who is this? But Cindy on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I'm glad to know you have a space heater nearby. <laughs> and it, it's <laughs> been on full blast all day. I, I kind of crank it down or turn it off for my for the sake of my poor producer because I'm always sweating him out of here. But but uh, <laughs> it's it's right by my chair, Cindy. Yeah, well, and word of encouragement, it, it's not going to last much longer. Pretty soon, it'll be real hot and humid, and we'll all be miserable. That sounds like, no, that sounds like heaven to me. I can't wait. You know, Cindy, you, I, I don't know if you made it to church yesterday. I didn't see you, but I was telling the church yesterday, um, my gra- our granddaughter, Ileana, in California got some really good news. Uh, she was, uh, she signed a letter of intent to play uh, Division One college soccer. And uh, and so we're all excited. Oh, that's really good. She got an athletic scholarship and a and an academic scholarship. So it's a full ride. And um, we found a school. It's in Minnesota. Now, they live in Palm Desert, California, where it's like a billion degrees all summer. And she's going to be going to college in Minnesota. We looked at the temperature in Minnesota and it was minus 26 yesterday. So uh, she's she's dealing with uh, or going to be dealing with that radical change. Um, I probably won't be going to visit her as long as it's minus 26. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I had to watch online. I don't know what was wrong with my car, but my car has this beeping system that if something's near it, it'll beep. And it was beeping and flashing. There was something near my right passenger tire and I kept looking and nothing was there nothing was going on but every time I put it in reverse and tried to back up it would get hysterical and start beeping so <laughs> I just stayed home and had to watch online but and now and then later on during the day I went out to check it and it didn't do it anymore for for whatever reason I was forced to stay home but I did it, see it, that it, I did hear you know about her going to Minnesota and and I um I just send her some warm Silk's long, John. <laughs> the silk will keep you warm in cold weather. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Cindy, it was the devil that was keeping you from church yesterday. That's I your... think it was because I really wanted to go. I, <laughs> I just was so into hearing about Acts and being there, and yeah. I was I was really trying not to pout and, and everything, but, but I don't know what was wrong with the car. But the reason I called was your first uh, question you had about free will in heaven and it made me uh, think about what about the people who during the tribulation accept Jesus and they get saved, and then from the tri- tribulation they transfer into the millennium. Are there are they changed when the millennium happens, or will they still be living on a thing to where where they would have free will? Yeah, everybody is going to have free will in the millennium. Remember, the millennium is Earth. And everybody will have free will, all of the people in their flesh and blood bodies. And those who go through the Great Tribulation and survive it, uh, they will have free will. But remember, Jesus is going to rule with an iron scepter. In other words, judgment is going to be swift and it's going to be sure. And judgment is going to be, in in many, if not most cases, capital punishment. And, and nobody will complain that it's not righteous or or right, but but people will still have the free will during the millennium to rebel against God. One other point here, Cindy, is that the uh, the people that get saved during the Great Tribulation, um, overwhelmingly most of them, nearly all of them, will be martyred for their faith. Christians, the, the people that get saved, will not be um, um, able to survive the Great Tribulation uh, we see them under the altar in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, crying out, how long, O Lord? Especially chapter 5, how, how long, O Lord, till you avenge our bodies? So the people that get saved, again, the overwhelming majority, uh, if I was to throw a number, I'd say 99%. Um, they're going to, to uh, come back in the millennium, and they will have received by then their glorified resurrected bodies as well. So... Uh, they won't have that uh, the the difficulties that that uh, we're thinking about. But humans will still have free will 
uh, during the Great Tribulation. And that, by the way, is why the devil is going to be let loose at the end of the thousand years because all of the people that were born during that thousand years, and of course the earth is going to explode in population, all of the people that were born during that thousand years will never have had a choice to, to serve God of their own free will because service and obedience and righteousness is going to be uh, demanded of them. Um, and the devil is going to reappear at the end of the thousand years to give them one more chance to, to choose Jesus of their own free will. And sadly, after a thousand years of a perfect reign of Jesus, after a thousand years of the best government, uh, perfect government this world could ever possibly see, um, the devil is going to be very effective. And the Bible says that those who rebel against God at that time are going to be like the, the grains of sand on the seashore. In other words, there is going to be more and more and more of them. And it's going to prove once and for all that the problem was never environment. It wasn't experience. It wasn't dysfunctional families. The problem has always been sin. Cindy, thank you very, very much. We've got 30 minutes left in the program. We'd love your calls, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday show, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Steve. He says, my 22-year-old son lives at home with us. He's currently carrying on a sexual relationship with someone he's not married to. He doesn't do this at my home, but how am I to view this since he is an adult? Steve, uh, I'll, I'll be really direct. Just, as, just I feel very strongly about this. When our grown children start making adult decisions, then we need to let them deal with adult consequences. So although he's not doing it at your home, and God bless you for enforcing the rules and, and just rightly representing the Lord. But when you know that he's living in a, in a sinful relationship, um, uh, it's time for you to tell him it's, it, you, know, you got to move out. You got to do this on your own. And, 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 you know, kids these days will, well, how am I going to do it? I can't afford rent. Well, if you're going to live here, we're going to live like Jesus. I can't make you get saved. I wish we could, but I can't make you believe. But I can tell you that if you want to live in this house, then you're going to honor the Lord. We're not going to do things. And that means you can't go out and drink. You can't go out and do drugs. You can't go out and have sex with people. As long as you, if you want to do those things, you're free to do those things, make those choices, but you can't do them on my dime. And and I just think, Steve, that we're, we're allowing our children to sin uh, by making it easy for them to rebel against God. And I think when uh, they're rebelling against God, we got to put them in a position where they're going to have to deal with him. So that would be my counsel. I've been given that consistent counsel for decades now. And, um, um, you know, there are people that go out and they crash and burn and they come back with their tail wagging between their legs um, asking for forgiveness and, and can I come back home? Well, you know the rules. This is the way it's going to be. And a lot of those kids, Steve, get saved. And I'm sure you're worried more about your son's uh, eternal home than you are about what's going on in this world. And we've got to trust the Lord. It's hard. Um, Mom and Dad both have to be on the same page on this. But uh, I simply would not do anything that would allow him the freedom to live in a way that rebels against God. The Bible says people who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And uh, our first allegiance, of course, is to Jesus. So, Steve, I hope that makes sense to you. But uh, I know that sounds really harsh to a lot of people. Um, but you know what? They make sinful choices. They need to deal with the consequences. 
Here's a question from Joe. He says, um, how could David say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me when we're promised he will never leave us? Well, Joe, the reason he could say that is because he didn't have the promise that you and I have. Um, David's whole relationship with God was not based on the Holy Spirit. Now, the Spirit of God came up on David and came up on some of our Old Testament heroes, but it was never like you and me, sealed with a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You know, when Jesus, uh, in, in his post-resurrection body, um, he breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit hadn't been given up to that point. And so the only relationship that, that humankind had with the Holy Spirit was when the power of God in the person of the Holy Spirit came upon people to perform uh, miraculous feats, to perform uh, particular duties. We know that prophets would have the Spirit come upon them and they would prophesy. We know that kings uh, would have the Spirit come upon them. Um, uh, King Saul, we know, had the Spirit come upon him several times. Um, but, but it wasn't the same kind of relationship that you and I had. So while it is true that you and I uh, will never have the Holy Spirit leave us. It is true, sadly, that we can quench the Spirit and we can literally render the Holy Spirit of God inactive because he's unable, because of our sin, to do what he wants to do. But he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Jesus said he would be with us until the end of the age. Now, the Holy Spirit won't be in us in heaven because we'll have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit in heaven. But until the end of this age, he will be with us and never leave us. Interesting um, story, funny story, Joe. Uh, there's a, a worship song we do that says uh, that has this line in it, uh, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And uh, one day in church, I had a guy come up to me after, and he was really distraught. And he said, you know, your, your lyrics, your worship lyrics, you got false lyrics. You, you can't have those lyrics. I said, well, which one? And he said, he said, when David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, that can't be in your, in your lyrics, in your worship songs. And I said, why? And he said, because that's impossible. God will never take his spirit from us. And I, I looked at him, and I said, do you realize that's Psalm 51. You realize that's in the Bible? So you can't tell me it's not biblical because it's literally written by the hand of God. And, and he said, well, but you shouldn't say that. Well, there's a different relationship that we who are in Christ have with God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I go, he actually said, it's good that I go away. Because when I go, I'll send another me. Now, he used the word comforter or counselor, depending on your translation. But, but basically, the, the Greek word uh, another is alos, meaning of the same sort. And he's saying, I'll send another me. And he will be in you. And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And, and so we know we've got the Spirit in us, and he won't leave us. But that is not a relationship that any Old Testament uh, figure ever had. Um, and for a Jew to understand that would be uh, next to impossible. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the question. Alex says, Pastor Ron, why do you speak out against psychology and other forms of established science? Um, Alex, I don't, I don't really speak out against it. I answer questions that people have. Uh, I want you to understand that psychology um, is is antichrist, and by that I mean it is actually in opposition to the things of Christ. Um, um, a psychologist, um, you know, the the schools of psychology, uh, the founders of modern psychology were all atheists. Uh, they hated God. They wanted nothing to do with God, and the principles that they have uh, for dealing with people uh, are 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 anti God. It's that simple. And so um, when somebody says, well, well, I want to go to a psychologist, I want to go to a psychiatrist, all they're going to do is get medicated, and they're going to be brainwashed. You know, the most difficult people to counsel with, Alex, are those who have been in therapy. Because when I'm counseling somebody and I say, the Bible says this, they'll say, well, what about this? My therapist said this. 
um, I'll just give you an example. Somebody who's an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, or once a drug addict, always a drug addict. That's not what our Bible says. So I speak out against it in using your terms because psychology stands in contradistinction to uh, the promises that God has made us in the Word. So that's why I do it. Now, when you say other forms of established science, you don't say what you mean. But, um, you know, if you're talking about evolution, if you're talking about the age of the earth, all those things, we need to remember that all of those people begin their, the conclusions they, they arrive at start from the foundation of there is no God. And established science is not really established at all. By the way, if science was established, it wouldn't keep changing. It wouldn't keep changing. You know, I'm not young anymore, and I remember, well, science has proven this, and science has proven this. I had a question in the program last week uh, about uh, cavemen. And, and you know, well, well, that's established science, people say. No, it's not. It's a lie. There were no cavemen. Now, science has decided, because they don't want to accept the fact that we're created by God, they've decided, no, we've evolved through these different life forms or through these different uh, um, um, eras or epochs. And, and we started out uh, on all fours, and now we're, we, we're men that, and women that stand up on two feet. Um, there's no such thing. It just didn't happen. But that's what they have done to erase the possibility that we're actually created by the hand of God the way the Bible tells us. So, Alex, here's what I would challenge you. If you, you, this is a Christian radio show, so I'll assume the best you're a Christian, but you've got to decide you're going to believe Jesus. When push comes to shove, are you going to believe what the Bible says or are you going to believe what some scientist who hates God says? It's that simple. And incidentally, Alex, there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful, brilliant scientists who are born-again believers and and believe what the Bible says. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, A.E. Wildersmith. Um, you can get his stuff. Uh, he was one of the most brilliant men that's ever lived and uh, was a radical Christian. And his writings, his books, are available still online Um and he deals with all these questions. A.E. Wildersmith, a uh, great, great, great man of God, who was a real science scientist and or um, man that studied the human mind. So you've got to decide whose side are you on. Um, science, the world that we live in, has no proof of anything. They just start with these theories and uh, we're supposed to just accept them the way they are. So I hope that makes sense to you. Here is a question from Anita. She asks, uh, Pastor, how would I answer someone who says she can't understand why God would create people he knows will not choose him? Anita, God doesn't create people anymore. He created Adam and he created Eve and then he was done. Now, he created, of course, the method of reproduction. Um, and, and, and certainly we do that, but but when, when an adult male has sex with an adult female, chances are that female is going to get pregnant and they're going to have a baby. Would you propose that God, if God knew that baby was not going to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior or her Lord and Savior, would you propose that we abort them? Is that what you'd have God do? Or maybe you would propose that God would forbid a woman from getting pregnant. But having children, having families, remember the sun shines on the just and the unjust. God is a God. Common grace is, is the theological term. God gives grace to everybody. And, and, you know, for a husband and a wife to have a child is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And there's a lot of rich, rich life experiences that result from that. Would you just have God not allow that to happen? And you see, every one of those babies that are born, they have the, the opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And God doesn't just 
abort the, the children because he knows that they're not going to make the right choice. And, you know, we've been blessed in this world by a lot of unbelieving people. And um, they're all around us. So, uh, again, God doesn't create them. Uh, we have sex. They get, they become children. And they grow up and they have the same choices to make that you and I make. So I hope that makes sense to you. But, but um, um, God stopped creating people uh, when Eve uh, was taken out of Adam's side. Thanks, Anita. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Jerry. He says, General, generational curses, are they real? Jerry, no, no, a thousand times no, they're not. That's charismatic nonsense. It has no foundation in the truth of Jesus Christ. This horrible, horrible doctrine has created more problems for people than you can imagine. Um, no, there's no generational curses. Now, people get it from the Ten Commandments. Um, uh, you know, God God said that, that uh, those uh, families will be cursed at the third and fourth generation. And that's where the false teachers stop their explanation. But the next words are of those who hate him. Now, if you don't hate God, then there's no generational curse. And also the generational curse of those who do hate God isn't generational curse. It's just repeat behavior. We, we know that, that uh, uh, children who grow up in, in abusive homes often become abusive. That's the curse, the curse of our flesh and sin in the world. Um, children that grow up in alcoholic homes often become alcoholics themselves. Um, uh, it's just the, the way of the world. But that's only for those who hate God because it also says following that instantly. But wonderful promises and love for a thousand generations to those who are His. So uh, there are no generational curses. And we get people here at our church that come from other places and and they'll talk about, well, how do I get rid of this generational curse? My mom did this or my dad did this. There's no such thing. It's like fighting pink elephants. There's no such thing as a pink elephant. So, Jerry, there are no generational curses. Just throw it out of your brain and take all of the false teachers who are promoting. I, I don't know why they keep promoting it other than it keeps selling. But um, there's no such thing. And... and uh, you know, we need to know who Jesus is and we need to know the totality of the work that he's done. Here is an interesting question from Mario. Do we get additional rewards if we keep the original Sabbath? Mario, no. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. So there's not like, okay, well, I go to church on Saturday, the seventh day. So, God, you're going to bless me. No. The Apostle Paul says that for the believer, all days are the same. Now, if you want to worship on, on, on Saturday, that's a choice you can make. Just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. If you're doing it to get extra rewards, well, that's not going to pan out very well for you, Mario, because we don't have to. Um, it, it's not something we do. Something to remember, Mario, that, that the Sabbath was not given to Gentiles. The law, including the Sabbath, was given to Israel or to Jews, not us. Jesus, as he was getting ready to go to the cross, in the upper room, we call it the Last Supper, when he got to the end of the meal, and he picked up the cup of redemption and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Now, when he did that, he was canceling the old covenant. And so, Mario, we have no obligation to keep the original covenant. In fact, we can't keep it. That's why Jesus had to come. And so the Sabbath, circumcision, uh, keeping the law, keeping the festivals. None of that stuff has any value 
for Jews, I mean, for, not for Jews any longer, but for Gentiles either, there's no value at all to keeping all of those things. So no additional rewards, nor is there any obligation to worship on the seventh day. Um, the seventh day God rested, that was the pattern. When Jesus came, he said, I have a new covenant for you, and it is a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works. So, Mario, I hope that answers your question. Edward says, Pastor Ron, Romans 1 says, God gave them over. Do you think that's what's happening right now in the world? Edward, I really do. You know, when when, uh, Romans, Paul's writing to the Romans, he said, you know, God gave them over to their own minds, the same way he gave Pharaoh over to his own mind and hard heart. Uh, That's exactly what God did then. Um, They refused to obey God. They refused to recognize God. So God just took his hands off and gave them over. And I think that's exactly what's happening now. Um, We are in the middle of a spiritual war that the world can't see. Our world... I mean, right here in our country is changing so quickly. It's the hand of God. We are believing things to be true that are obviously not true. Uh, A man can become a woman. A woman can become a man. We believe that. Who would have believed that five years ago? Who would have believed that ten years ago? It was unthinkable. And all of a sudden, now if you don't believe it, the, the whole world now comes after you and cancels you. So, there's no other explanation other than this is a world that has been given over to ourselves. And that's never a good position to be in, Edward. And um, you're right. This is, this is the judgment of God that's falling in the world right now. Not the judgment, the Great Tribulation judgment, not any of that, but it's a judgment from God. Just like Pharaoh was given over, God... Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart seven times. Finally, God said, okay, my hand's off. God hardened his heart. And that's exactly what's going on in the world that we live in right now. And it's insane, but Isaiah chapter 5 says, there's always been a time when the world will call good evil and evil good. And that's exactly what's going on right now. So yeah, we are, we have been given over to ourselves and all you got to do is look around. There's absolutely no possibility of denying the truth of that. Eddie says, do online services violate Hebrews 10.25? Hebrews 10.25 is, do not forsake the assembling together of the saints. In other words, we got to be in church. And I don't think any online services violate it, but I don't think online services actually are good for us. Uh, you know, we... we we're so grateful that we have online services. And uh, the, the response that we get from our online services are overwhelming. And, and there's a lot of people who are going through really hard things. They're going through physical difficulties. And they will just sort of grab me and say, Pastor Ron, thank you so much for providing those online services. I don't know what I would have done without them. That's what they're for, people that can't come to the to the fellowship of believers. Our problem, Eddie, is with those who can come, but just don't because it's easier not to or because, well, I can sleep in or I can stay in my pajamas or or those who watch online, they think, well, okay, at least I'm watching online, but they're not here serving. They're not using their gifts. They're not being blessed or encouraged by other people in the body. Uh, so, so it's just spiritual laziness. And by the way, Hebrews 10 is completing a a whole series of warnings to the church that Paul is writing to. And and the warnings begin with drifting away to being turned over into apostasy. Warnings about all these things, being spiritually lazy. And uh, I think if we would recognize the context of Hebrews, the entire book of Hebrews, then we would take those warnings more seriously ourselves. So I'm grateful to God that we have online services. I'm grateful that we get a wonderful response. But at the same time, um, I'm, I'm constantly exhorting the people in our church, you need to be here. If you can be here, there's no excuse 
for being lazy. There's no excuse for taking it easy. You need to be a part, a contributing part, of a healthy body of Christ, balanced in the Word of God. You need to be using the gifts God has given you to be a blessing to others. So I hope that makes sense to you, Eddie. Bruce, this will be our last question today. Bruce says, was Peter possessed by the devil when Jesus told him to get behind him? Bruce, he wasn't possessed. What Jesus was talking about was um, the the sentiment that Peter expressed. Uh, Be it far from you, Lord. Um, when Jesus was telling him that he was going to go into Jerusalem, that he was going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and he was going to be crucified. And of course, Peter, with foot and mouth, said, May it never be, Lord. And Jesus just looked at him, and what he's identifying is the spirit behind that statement. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And so Peter was um, giving in to the sentiment of the devil. Um, and Jesus looked at him and said, that's not the way it's going to be. This is um, my God's plan for me. This, this is the will of God that I'm going to do. So he wasn't possessed at all. But like a lot of us, we can say mean or unkind things or unwise things. Uh, that was just a moment of flesh. And the enemy, who's always prowling around, Peter wrote this. He knew what he was talking about. Uh, prowling around looking for an opportunity to mess with us. Well, that's exactly what he did that day with Peter. He put the words in his mouth. Um, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. So he was talking past Peter to Satan. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's been a good show today. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.